0: Yeah, we do. it's just kind of a joke among scribes and graphic facilitators that we often will get asked, like, do you do weddings? Not, not so much anymore, you know, in these times. And it's, it's a kind of hilarious question because you're like, I don't think so. Because um, we work with ideas primarily, or at least I work primarily with ideas, right? Like, that's the sweet spot. Ideas and feelings and uh, meaning-making and what are people trying to do? and what's going on, you know, like what's happening in the dialogue between people. That's, that's kind of where I'm focused.
1: I'm Julie Claire, and this is the podcast Creative at the Wheel. Artists and creative professionals thrive in unconventionality. They reinvent themselves and find their way through impossible situations. Here, we get to have deep dive conversations on their adventures. Let's jump in. My guest today is Riley Dow. I'm so excited to talk to Riley. Riley is describes herself as a listener, an artist, and a scribe, a visual scribe, yeah. Since 2008, Riley has been working internationally with clients in different sectors and disciplines as graphic recorder, visual facilitator, and her focus really is on creative partnership by providing made in the moment visuals as artifacts of social process. I know that Riley, your work has been published in um, a variety of publications, which is really exciting anytime I see that, um, including Cosmos Journal, The Side View, Advances in Presencing, uh, Blue Blanket, and Leadership Flow. And Riley lives in Mexico City with her boyfriend, Daniel, and their dog, Tina. Good morning,
0: Riley. Good morning.
1: Gosh, uh, we have to find out a little bit what it means to be a scribe, um, a visual scribe, and creating these artifacts of social process. But uh, first off, if you could just introduce us to that work, um, I'd appreciate it, what, what that even is to be.
0: Mm. Yeah, thank you. Um, and thanks for having me. I should start there. I'm, ve- I'm very excited to be talking with you today. Um, it's such a joy the 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 work of a scribe i would say in the world um you know it's for, it's changed lately in some respects but it's essentially listening um in some sense documenting social process using visuals um and having those visuals act as i I've said in a, a course the other day as a voice in the room so. It's not just list making or, you know, packaging information neatly, although that can be one of the functions of, of having a scribe present, but also kind of reflecting and weaving in um, different layers of conversation and different layers of, of meaning that take place in what people say, what they don't say, who's in the room, what they're trying to do together, how they feel about it, perspectives. So it's kind of that, that interweaving of, of everything that we can sort of pick up of what's going on um from a sort of insider outsider perspective of a scribe who's usually at the edge of the room or at the slightly at the edge of that conversation, creating an artifact with people and for people that they can see in that moment. So that's a short Yeah, version. you
1: know, when you when you talk, one of the thing that gets me one of the things that gets me is I do picture, you know, the scribe being off to the side. And so, but is that true? Are you actually off to the side in the room?
0: I mean, that depends. It can vary a lot. I think if I sort of picture any given group of people as, as being in a circle, you know, which is, may or may not be literally the case, but um, if we just picture people as as being in a gathering or being in a circle of some time or, or, or coming together in some way, whether it's in person or these days more likely virtually, I think the scribe inhabits, a, tends to inhabit a space that's kind of partly inside that circle and also partly outside. So if you could picture sort of one foot in, one foot out. Um, but again, that, that will tend to vary because we can also be scribing for groups that we belong to or for our own teams. Um, in my case, just because I tend to be an external person, um, mm-hmm. I tend to inhabit that space. That's kind of a combination of those, which I, I personally really like. And I think it can be a very valuable space, kind of stepping in, stepping out and, and listening from there.
1: Got it. And so again, we're, we're, well, listening, right. We're brought to listening. Um, do you ever get a, get a, do people already know kind of what you're going to do when they hire you or do they expect somebody that it's going to be a little bit more peripheral and how they listen? I mean, how does that work in terms of expectations versus what you actually do?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I think people, I think people do have all kinds of expectations when they, um, when they engage a scribe or when they go looking for one, which is, I think more and more common that people are kind of seeking that out and they've seen it. They've maybe seen it at a live event or at a meeting or a conference and they go like, Oh, there's like someone drawing at the, on the stage. What is that? Um, or, you know, many people are, are quite familiar with it now and they, they in kind of intentionally build it into the design of gatherings or the design of sessions, um, or the process of working with their teams, with their groups, um, And so people will have, will kind of come to it with different expectations. And I think it's actually a really important part of the process of working with a scribe to enter into as as much dialogue as you can kind of in advance, just to sort of clarify what people are trying to get out of it, um, what they, what they need, what, you know, like they may, may or may not be able to articulate actually all of that. So there's kind of a listening that even starts before, you know, before we get in the room or before we get in the Zoom room type of thing, right?
1: Now, do they expect you to be an artist? Do they expect you to be a
0: businesswoman or a combo? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think I, <laughs> I think I'm actually stepping more intentionally in as an artist these days. I would say over the last year or so, kind of maybe more using that language more intentionally and offering that more intentionally because I think um, in some of the spaces that I've worked in and with some of the colleagues I've worked with, like taking on that role of an artist is actually kind of more true to who I am. And I think true to the, to what I can bring to the table rather than trying to say, you know, I didn't, I didn't go to business school and I've, I've not been, you know, in a company. My background is in teaching and learning and education and more community work with families. And so I think it's not about trying to pretend, you know, to, to walk the talk of like, you know, pretending I did an MBA or something when I really didn't and actually just stepping in with the, kind of with the full value of the voice that I actually have and bringing that into the mix intentionally, kind of trying to create more diversity, right? Because I think there's huge potential in artists showing up in spaces where they may not traditionally be um, to bring creative and fresh thinking. And I mean, I think if that's something that I have the opportunity to do, then then I definitely want to. So I don't think people are expecting me to come and be a business consultant <laughs> which is good because it's not yeah. that's not really my offering right. but there are other scribes who do who do who do that i would say depends on the focus of each person mm-hmm.
1: so other people might be a little bit more business oriented when they come in the room for sure other scribes yeah, for sure uh-huh. i think that's
0: that you know each person has kind of taken their own professional path and inscribing might be one tool in their toolkit um Like this, this past week, I was working together with a colleague who has more of an OD focus sort of organizational development. Um, And so that's her, you know, that's her world and people will combine different sort of tools and methods. And I think that's actually incredibly rich. And it's just important to be, you know, to be transparent about that and say, this is, you know, this is the project that are, I think I specifically would be a good fit for or where I can really bring value. And these are the places where maybe I want to bring someone else in or work in a team or, kind of mix disciplines and, and people intentionally to kind of hone in on what is needed, you know, for each moment. Yeah.
1: Do you, when I hear you, I mean, I'm hearing someone that really knows who they are in this respect who, you know, who's walking into the room. Like you, you don't, I don't hear anybody, you know, you're not struggling to be the someone, a business person when that's not your background. Um, to me, I get very relaxed when I hear you. Um, so if I was hiring you, I would be relaxed because you don't sound confused Mm. (laughs) (laughs) and uh, does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. Does it, do you find that your clarity, have you noticed how your clarity in, as you've said in the last year, especially letting more of that artist be, um, I don't know, nothing else, how you describe yourself to them. Do you find people relax around that because there's a kind of a clarity or have you not noticed much difference?
0: I think so. I think it, um, I think it allows for, I don't know if you want to say kind of a more authentic forms of partnership Um, and that kind of being upfront or, you know, it takes time. I think it is, I I started doing this work when I was 20 and it's, I think pretty, maybe pretty normal or could be, you could imagine that at that age, many things about your identity are still forming um and i see this kind of creative work in particular being very much rooted in in each person's identity and of course their you know the layers of experience and the body of knowledge and the and the body of work that you build over time but at that kind of core identity level um i think if you kind of if you get more and more clear about that over time but still stay open to kind of what's what you're sensing and what's coming at you from the world and and what's possible in different relationships like that polarity of kind of a certain level of clarity and and rootedness in self with also you know curiosity and wanting to learn forever and and being open to change I guess that would be what I aspire to and appreciate in other people when I when I notice it um Mm-hmm. And just kind of, you know, I have willingness to say, this is also, this is what I don't know. You know, this is where my limitations are. This is as far as I can go at the moment. And and kind of naming that as well.
1: I have to hear how you how you first got in describing what your first, what was like to start. Hmm. I mean, how you got there, given that you said your background is more with families and um, social services a little bit more, right?
0: Yeah, I, I started describing... Um, Around 2008, at the invitation of a colleague here in, in Mexico, Carlos Mota, who um, is he was kind of a co-founder, co-creator of the World Cafe uh, method and is a sort of steward of that work, that kind of dialogue work in, in groups and organizations. And essentially someone, I believe, who was going to be helping him do graphic recording uh, for a session here in, in Mexico City, I think just canceled and wasn't able to come to Mexico at that time. Um, and I was teaching at, in, at, the, at the elementary school level, and he we had met through, through some friends and colleagues, and he sort of said, you know, would you like to maybe try this thing called graphic recording, um, which you could say is kind of interchangeable with the term scribing, but we could get into that uh, later because mm-hmm. there's some important differences. But um, I had never heard of it. I'd never heard of it, that practice, and it sounded really fascinating to me and kind of like there might be some sort of natural fit with my um, maybe personality and interests. And so we, yeah, we decided to just, I said, sure, let's do it. Um, he lent me a whole bunch of books, a stack of books on visual thinking and um, some really interesting topics that I barely had time to sort of crack, and then we were in the room with 100 people essentially. Um, oh, my God. And so it was a, it was a very sort of trusting environment i think with him there was just a lot of support and so there was a container if you like on our team where i felt like uh, i had someone to go to to ask questions and you know in some sense i had no idea what i was doing but in another sense i was sort of ready to jump in and and could really see in the room how people would respond to the visuals being created for them in that place in that time for those specific people type of thing and so there was something kind of um kind of instantaneous about it um just sort of seeing because it's a social art right like it's a process oriented um art form if you like and so a lot of it is what is you know what is this doing for the group how you know how how is this functioning as an artifact in the room and so when I sort of saw that aspect of it I just thought this is this is incredible this is like so simple it's so obvious but it's really you know it seems to be doing something. and so I got really curious about that.
1: And and so the inner dialogue going on there, you are jumping in your first time in 2008, you think Mm -hmm. you said And what was going on in your head? Is it, you know, in terms of, this is a social uh, product almost, this is something for others that's coming from the room. What, what was in your head? Was it, what do they need to hear? What do they need to see up here? What have they just said? Um, Was it, intuition at that point, like, Oh, I need to write this down. Oh, I need to write this down. What can you remember? What was that inner dialogue? Like, what was that connection already in you to what, what were you connecting with at that point?
0: Mm, Yeah. Well, I mean, also to say that I, uh, there's a big kind of with, I guess with any performative sort of uh, art or something that you're doing in the room at the time, it's, it can be nerve wracking. So for sure the inner critic was kind of like loud and proud (laughs) at at that time. Um, and that maybe you never really get rid of it, but it, I feel I have a different relationship to it now, but I can remember thinking all kinds of things like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing here? <laughs> like, Will I <laughs> will I be able to pull this off? What's happening? You know, all that kind of stuff that's not particularly useful, but it's just kind of bouncing around in your brain. Um, you're like, is it, is anyone looking? Is no one looking? Does anyone care? Does everyone care? Uh, whatever, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then just kind of being really curious about like, what? What should I draw? Because in the in the beginning, I think of doing the work. You're going okay. There's a I've got a concept. I've got a keyword. I've got like I'm hearing things that, and I can sort of start to pick out like that feels important. Or you there's like some resonance there. People seem to be nodding uh, based on what that person said. You know, so just kind of like looking as things sort of ripple through the room as um, mm-hmm. someone is speaking, and then going like, okay, how should I represent that? Um, and I think. You know, when you try that work for the first time, you're kind of going at it, kind of trying to chunk it out and say, "Okay, word picture," you know. And and I I would say I don't work so much in that way now. Like it's not as as fragmented, um, but that's what I can remember thinking. I remember drawing, you know, like a some like a caveman or something, like a Neanderthal at a cave. <laughs> there was like mm-hmm. some weird imagery in there, but. Um, you know, metaphor is really powerful. And, and I think just kind of picking up on the, the story aspects of what people are saying, and the, the sort of the symbolic level of things and putting people's actual words down on the page where they can see them is huge. It's like yeah. unlocking a door, you know.
1: Definitely. And, you know, one of the things that strikes me, because I do work with Creative professionals, I coach with them, and is I'm always listening to what is it, what is it that people say yes to? Mm. Uh, I mean, you said yes to that offer. You were teaching in elementary school, and you said yes. You had a stack of books; you could only get a little bit through, when you jumped in. So there's a quality already about you that is eager. I would say to learn, but to experience. When I hear that, mm. right?
0: Yeah, I, does I think that that's true?
1: Yeah. And you said about being a lifelong learner and how do you keep that edge. And yeah, of course, I imagine how much you've shifted in your, in the inner, you know, what, what your inner dialogue is now. I can imagine, but I love how you said loud and proud for the inner critic starting there. Beautiful way to, <laughs> yeah. to depict
0: it. Yeah. I mean, you can picture it right as this sort of like belligerent little being in your brain. Like, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Could you just take the day off? Like I'm trying to do something here. Yeah. Um, You know, and it's still there. It's still there. And of course it's, it's me, you know, it's like, it's, it's one of our own voices that's always going to be there type of thing. But I think that aspect of saying yes, like someone sort of putting something on the table in front of you, if you like, and you're like, wow, okay, this feels scary, maybe potentially impossible. Or like, am I the right person for this? Am I qualified? You know, all those kinds of questions. I guess technically at that time, I really wasn't qualified. I think I became qualified like I quickly sort of gravitated towards uh workshops and learning spaces and conferences and I kind of jumped in but um yeah looking back I guess I have tended to sort of like fake it till you make it <laughs> um
1: yeah I think so you mean right at the right at the beginning after that you went to conferences in terms of how to be a visual scribe that's right. I mean you went yeah. into a, oh I yeah. see yeah but yeah. I did the so same you...
0: thing with teaching you know actually like now that now that that. you say that, um, like I wasn't qualified, but I did get hired to work in a, in a school here in Mexico City. And then later I went to study early childhood education and with scribing. It's like I uh, did a, did some sessions, some of them big, some small, and then later went to, to do the more formal learning. Um, and so maybe that's a little bit backwards, but I guess it's through kind of supportive colleagues or feeling like that there was an opening there or a possibility there it's like you get in and then you, you know, sort of build the, you know, build what's that build the plane as you, as you're flying or build the boat as you're already crossing the ocean or something like that. Um, I think there's been a little bit of that.
1: So, you know, as I listen, what it comes to me is that, um, <laughs> your career path hasn't at least the stages we've talked about here, haven't been driven by your resume. I mean, your resume if you're not really all that qualified when you start the teaching job it was it was it is, are we talking most of this happens through people that you meet that you know is this relationship driven you know
0: yeah i guess a lot of it has been relationship driven i mean when i started teaching frankly i was 18 so it's like you don't you really don't have too much no. at that point you're just like let's see yeah. what we can do here um, and so that was yeah it just kind of serendipitous um so I think I think yeah I think a lot of it has been kind of more oriented toward relationship and maybe there's this undercurrent too of of like listening and seeing possibility and then um, you know probably also probably also an element of of privilege there as well right like I don't know it's interesting to think different sort of uh, aspects of of how we show up in the world mm-hmm. or what people think we're capable of when they uh, mm-hmm. meet us or look at us. And I think that's been a slightly mysterious aspect of my professional life is like, why does this person think that I could do this? I mean, it's like you mm-hmm. get these invitations or these things sort of seem to open up um, at certain moments and then I catch up to it later and go like, well, sure. you know. I don't know, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's sort of a half-baked thought. Um,
1: no, I think bringing privilege into it is also very... Um provocative and, and true. Like, you know, how are we met by the world? How do we meet the mm-hmm. world? You know, how does that come together? Um, I'm also thinking that your um, your opportunities, I mean, there as a this is your primary work, right? Mm-hmm. Your visual scribing is your work. There's no, I mean, this is all, it's like being consultant and that you're getting your own gigs, mm-hmm. right? Or that there's no or can you is there like can you work with one organization and kind of coast for a couple of years because they have so many events or are you kind of constantly meeting people and getting gigs i mean i mean what what is that like to you know have a career doing this
0: yeah it's a combination of both i would say over time over the last 12 13 years whatever have it, more of the um kind of long term relationships have taken shape where you have you know pretty pretty trusting relationships with people and also within kind of organizations um, and also too with, with some core kind of teams and colleagues. Um, so I think those I've, I've really appreciated and, and i grateful for. And so I I have, you know, my own clients that I work with and I also work through different kind of consulting firms or, or teams of folks who are also consultants and, and they want to bring in scribing as part of their, support to their clients that they're offering. Um, and I think, and then there's all the, you know, there's new stuff coming up all the time. And so I, I really Mm -hmm. like that kind of combination, but I think that basis of kind of people, um, you know, building trust over time and them trusting you to show up and be present for the work and not necessarily have all the answers predefined. But again, I think some of that improvisational spirit, um, is what I particularly bring. And there are other scribes who bring other totally different kind of ways of being and ways of working to their, you know, to their contexts. Um, and I think that's rich, but that's, yeah, I think it's, it's a combination of things. And um, I mean, one of the things I'm trying to do this year is actually just build out a more sort of solid team of people. Cause it can be a lot of juggling actually between the different roles of trying to, um, Trying to keep things going at the same time because the work of like the actual work of scribing requires a lot of focus. And so mm-hmm. that's, well, that's kind of one of the tensions. Yeah, what would you, mm-hmm.
1: what would you, what would you say it is right now in terms of, uh, all the different roles you play mm-hmm. as a scribe? How would you draw us a picture as a, as it yeah. of that? What are those uh. roles? <laughs> I wish this wasn't just audio, but what, what 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 are the different roles there? Yeah,
0: well, I would say my role is kind of beyond goes a little beyond that of a scribe I mean just working as a sort of creative person and a freelancer you can imagine, and I'm sure you've experienced this too um you know you've got all kinds of sort of logistical and administrative work to support the work um and like you said there's the kind- there's you know new business coming in, new new people with um, kind of all kinds of questions and setting those expectations and having calls with people who are interested in using scribing in something and, and maybe no, don't totally know how to do that, want some design help. There's the scribing itself, and we also um, create videos, and so there's like the production team and the production cycle of, of putting things like that together.
1: Now, a video would be as of your work or a video of the actual conference that you're scribing. So
0: we'll actually do, we can do those as well, but these are more videos that you produce like to get a message out or for an internal, uh, you know, um, communication product within an organization um, campaigns, that kind of thing. So those are produced. We work with a small kind of network of illustrators and designers and a video editor. Um, to put together a storyboard and voiceover artists. So that's kind of a whole other thing. And I'll tend to take on the Mm -hmm. role of like the person bringing those pieces together, um, which is also really fun, Um, but a totally different thing. Right. So, so there's kind of all of that going on at the same time. And then. um,
1: Is that like production work for you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. All at a distance. Would you. Uh Mm Uh-huh.
1: Would you be, in other words, if somebody wanted this kind of project for their company, it isn't, you may not actually be scribing an event for them, but they want something produced and they know that you've got the Mm -hmm. background to do it for them. So then you'll work with the illustrator or will you be the illustrator? Yeah.
0: I mean, both of those, sometimes I'll, I'll do the illustration for videos myself and other times more often I'll work with other people, um, just to bring in kind of a diversity of styles. And I find the part that I really, um, love and enjoy is kind of that initial phase of kind of entering into partnership and finding out how to help the person or the organization get clear on the message. You know, what is it that they're trying to say? How can we help? How can we bring that to life visually? And then kind of collaborating with other people to, to really make that happen. So I, I think for me, that sort of sweet spot, which is also a listening process, right? It's like also stepping into that collaboration um, is where I'm most kind of well-suited to the work. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, so there's, a, there's usually like a, you know, what feels like a thousand things going on at the same time, <laughs> like these yep. different stages of production and then scribing over here and then other design, you know, kind of more like infographic or design products going on as well. And I find myself in that place kind of, you know, with these different overlapping sort of circles of projects. Um, and so I think that's why, you know, it might be time to move into more of a kind of a clearer team model this year, hopefully. But um, Hmm. I love all of it, so I'm not really looking to shut any of that down because I find that um, people seem to be appreciative and finding value in in all those different things that we can offer.
1: What does it take? I'd I'd love to actually pursue in a minute, maybe what that might look like for you going after more, uh, going at it more from a team perspective or going more into a teamwork. Um, But I'm curious, is like I got this little inkling when you said. Uh, you can imagine uh, all the things you might get asked of when you have this project going on, you're going to be part of this conference. I'm like, what are some of the boundaries you have to set or have you not set or do you not have to set? Uh, I'm thinking you've, this is, you know, by you've progressed from one event to another through experience, right? Through trial and error. So, I mean, does anybody expect you to like cook lunch? Do you know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> I mean, where's the, where's the line draw? Like, great. You can draw. Can you cook? Can you, I mean, how many things are you asked to do?
0: You yeah. Know? We do, It's just kind of a joke among scribes and graphic facilitators that we often will get asked, like, do you do weddings? Not, not so much anymore, you know, in these, and it's, it's so funny. Cause I think actually some people have started to say yes I've seen a couple of people, like you know like portraits of the people who are getting married and family and friends and I I have never personally done that um, nothing
1: oh actual scribing the wedding you know, like scribing
0: okay. the I'm not even really sure wow. what the thought is there um, right. I don't do that but if people are listening and want <laughs> want to scribe for their <laughs> virtual wedding you know let's chat let's find a way but it's a kind of hilarious question because you're like I don't think so. Um, <laughs> Because we work with ideas primarily, or at least I work primarily with ideas, right? Like that's the sweet spot. Ideas and feelings and uh, meaning making and what are people trying to do and what's going on? You know, like what's happening in the dialogue between people? That's kind of where I'm focused.
1: Right. So to do that, there's usually a room. You usually walk into your room. You usually have a setup with your materials. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm picturing the the board, the paper, the whatever, all your markers, all your materials. Um, who has set that up? I mean, are you setting up tables? I mean, are you, you know what I mean? Are oh, you yeah. directing other people to do? Yeah,
0: yeah, there's a lot that, yeah, actually, I kind of love that about this job, although it can be physically really um, demanding, you know, you, there's some definite work to do to take care of the body, to keep your energy going. You got to, you know, drink water, keep the energy kind of be careful about, all of that, um, I'll tend to do all of that myself. I mean, I've gotten into situations where I'm like two days ahead of a conference, setting up all kinds of things in the room and working with hotel staff or, or the, you know, facilitation team, like it's very physical work. And there are normally a lot of supplies and markers and boards and easels and, you know, building sort of almost sculptural things in the room. And none of that is happening now. Of course, you know, we're like all these little, um, pixel boxes. And that, so the, the material aspects of the work now have really kind of collapsed into the, into digital tools, although there's a world of possibility, really, to work with paper and, and markers and things like that and just point a camera at it, which is also wonderful.
1: Um, oh, but it sounds like that, so that's not necessarily what you're doing. How are you working in COVID? How is this happening yeah, at home? Yeah, mostly in
0: my iPad, um, mostly working mm-hmm. digitally, although I've done a little bit of work on paper you know, there's a little voice in the back of my mind going like, you're going to forget how to use markers. <laughs> you know, like you'll, never, yeah, yeah. you'll never be able to do it again. Um, which I think is not entirely true, but um, mostly these days we're working on the iPad, which is actually super fun because there's a lot of freedom with creating different brushes and textures and it's digital, but you can, you can paint, you can use, you know, different kinds of ink, all of that happening in different apps and and beyond and you can work with animation and all so there's a a lot of possibility actually but I think I'd like to get back to with playing to more playing with more materials in the studio as well and kind of working with paper and and doing some of that analog work is important too but I don't I will say that I don't miss the schlepping of material yeah because it's a lot you know it's a lot um So it's a very different sort of form of work in a way, but that material part or the ritual of kind of getting in the room and setting up and entering the space and helping to create the physical kind of container for the gathering, I would say is a huge part of, of scribing work. And some of that translates to the digital version of the work and some of it has sort of fallen away.
1: Got it. Um, you know, the first thing I think of, um, digital sounds great. They've got all these great softwares, all this great stuff you can bring to the moment. Um, But you can also press a button and lose everything you've done, right?
0: I guess in theory,
1: Julie. (laughs) Uh, See, I'm a little older. I have a little distrust, a little distrust there. I'd like
0: to think Uh, things are being saved automatically somewhere, but now that you say that.
1: (laughs) No, they probably are. Uh, So, there's so many things. I love this aspect of a team, but you know, there's something about you when I listen is that there's a fluidity. There's, when I listen to you, it feels like you're friends with the universe on some level deep inside where you you are trusting mm-hmm. that, and I don't know if this is true, but it, I do get relaxed and that I don't hear, I'm sure you doubt yourself. I know you have the critic. We've talked, you've mentioned it, but I, it seems like there's a flow going on and that there is a communication system going on. Like you are listening yourself not only to the room but to yourself like you talked about you enjoy the requirement of having to be a little bit tuned into self-care do you need water do you need what do you need to be able to actually stay together here Mm -hmm. to uh, be what you need to be in the room or in the meeting or at home if you're on zoom or whatever you're doing but there's also the sense of how what is this listening thing for you in terms of how it's shaping your I guess I could say the shape of your work life. I mean, what are you listening to? You've got, it sounds to me like you've got offers coming in from weddings, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, all, all over the place. And uh, now they're not physically schlepping, which is kind of a relief. Mm -hmm. Um, I hear the, the loss of what you say, analog, you know, the real paper and the pens kind of thing, but what is it that you're listening for right now? And and how is that shaping what you're saying? Yes or no to, Mm -hmm. um,
0: yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think that's a huge question uh, always. Um, but it's, it's re- related to the now in a way, right? Like it's kind of related to also how are we, how am I wanting to show up for the moment? Like for what I feel like is called for in the moment, because, and, you know, if you think about like the news cycle or the the political realities that we're living within, right? Like that can get really stressful really quickly if i go to that level, although i think it's important to be attuned to it, of course. Um but there are i think with there are different kind of levels to be listening at um and different sort of spaces of potential and possibility to to notice. And right now mm-hmm like I said, I feel like there's a kind of, I feel like there's an opening in myself. Cause I think the first listening actually starts with kind of listening to the self, like listening to, to the inner resonance or what's going on as a starting point um, to be able to be present for like the larger, what's being asked of me at a larger scale, if you like. Um, and right now I feel Called to, you know, I would say the most clear call place I would like to contribute is kind of like our collective survival. So it's like, how can I point my whatever it is that I know how to do um, or how to be towards, you know, spreading the science on climate change, for example, you know, or lear- learning about it, first of all, understanding it better myself, but also helping to make that more visible and in Mexico, for example, things like biodiversity and conservation of forests and ecosystems is hugely important. And then for sure, the social level, right? Like, how can we, how can we actually kind of coexist? And what might I do um, with the sort of limited tools that I have to support that, to support kind of our coexistence and, and, and survival on this planet? Because I think it is actually under some pretty serious threat at the moment. So that's the, sort of the biggest place I I go when you ask me that question and then in the everyday it's like oh yeah don't forget to send the proposal or whatever.
1: <laughs> so so does that shape it in terms of when you know that having that sense of this is kind of a the larger force in which you'd like to serve um without having to know exactly I hear without having to know what that means right now, but having that as part of your picture, you know, mm-hmm. of maybe what, how, how this could really feel good to do your work, right? That's kind of how I hear it is. Then how, how does that go? Does it then you put in different proposals, you say no to things that you might have done before mm-hmm. that don't serve that, or how does it, how do you see that playing out? Is it, Is it too soon, too large to tell, or do you already see how that's playing out in terms of your actual workload?
0: Yeah, no, I think I can um, see it, can kind of feel it happening already. It's not always easy. I would say I have a tendency to kind of want to jump in because I feel curious, almost like regardless of what the industry might be or who what the company is if you like it's like well there are human beings in there so part of me is like what are they about can i help them in some way um you know because at the end of the day even though we might get into the habit of kind of like i'm just doing my job mentality um there it's still people right and they're still connected to their communities and their places and so there's i sometimes find it hard to just flat out say no but Depends what it is. But yeah, I, I, I do do that. Because um, again, I think knowing who, knowing who you are and in some sense where you would like to direct your energies, um, you can kind of place things in that picture or say this actually doesn't have a place for me, at least right now. And maybe I can um, recommend someone else because they're actually fantastic people doing this kind of work really all over the world. Um, or maybe not, you know, but again, just kind of discerning on a, on a case by case. basis. Mm -hmm.
1: It sounds so smooth when you say it, but I'm wondering where's, where's the challenge for you? I mean, are you a recovering people pleaser that that's not so easy to say no or to pull out? You know what I mean? Are you, Mm -hmm. where's the challenge implicit there that, um, navigating the month to month, And then this bigger picture, Mm -hmm. where's the challenge for you right now? Or what's the... Oh, it's
0: hugely challenging. Yeah. I don't actually mean to make it sound like it has no problem for me at all because it's it's really hard. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny to hear your reaction. It doesn't
1: need to be hard. It doesn't need to be hard, but it sounds so good. And I'm like, God, that's the hard part to me is saying no to something when I don't know what's there a month from now. Saying I'm not going to do that even though I have nothing to replace it. You know, there's all kinds of stuff Mm -hmm. as a... Uh, creativepreneur kind of thing. Uh, so sure. uh, I'm just wondering, and, and and that listening, you know, then it's the self care. It's like, oh my god, I haven't been listening well. I mean, that's me, right? So I don't need to put that on mm. you. But I'm wondering, first off, how do, how do you not get overworked and you still have that listening ability? What what tunes you into that? Like, what are your practices, or where do you go? Mm. Or I'd love to hear that how you nurture that part of yourself that knows because I, I hear the importance of that. Mm.
0: Yeah, I would say that honestly, I do tend to overwork um, I don't think I've sort of been able to strike that perfect balance yet it's sort of a, an ongoing quest um, I think it's going to be a work in progress forever I don't know like it, I probably need to continue telling myself that because it's it's tough and I my tendency is to say yes and then figure it out like find figure out a way to make mm-hmm. things happen, not if they're outside of my boundaries of what feels ethical to, to take on or anything like that. But if it's like, I think we, I think we can find a way, then my tendency is to want to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And for sure, for sure, a recovering people pleaser, if you like, or, or for sure, some of that is my own anxiety of kind of feeling like I need to take things on because someone is asking me to um, that can be a big struggle for me. And it's a constant practice of needing to check in and say, uh, like, actually everyone will be fine if you don't take this on. Like there are lots of other people who can help. There may even be someone else who's a better fit for this, um, that kind of stuff. And it's a, I would say I just need to remind myself of that all the time. And I, I need to take time away as well. Like for me, um, Mm -hmm. I, I recharge or kind of, renew in spaces of silence and reading and painting and being in nature when I can and taking the dog for a walk like these days those things are pretty simple just in terms of what we can do in COVID times but um things like that for me are essential like it's they're they're kind of non-negotiable and if I don't take care of that need for just kind of time away then I'll eventually hit a wall and not feel so good and it will happen you know One way or another, type of thing, but ideally, I can kind of say this would be you know, like make space for that more deliberately. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that, yeah. But I'm now that you ask, I'm actually kind of curious, you know, what some of those specific practices would be for me. It's it's those things, you know, and I, yeah.
1: What about your art making? Because I know that you paint and I know that you draw. And I know that so many people that are creatives that have jobs that are creative, there's um, myself included, but a lot of people that I I partner with, there's a conversation about how do I just do things for me Mm -hmm. because that's really recharging. I mean, it's such a, talk about the word tension, right? That's almost always in the system is um, how do I continue to make things just for myself, right? That's a very common question in the sessions I have with people in creative work. How do I connect with that that got me into this in the first place kind of thing Mm -hmm. um what's your sense of that how do you work with that yeah or does that not come up is that not so much an
0: issue no I think that is important to pay attention to I mean to be honest in in the work that we've done together I found it really liberating in that sense um because I think just kind of having having deliberate time and space that is unstructured and it's not Um, supposed to be for sale it's not you know money is not part of it Um, there's no particular objective maybe you don't even show that work to anyone and I think it's getting in some ways harder and harder to do that because everything now is supposed to be fodder for like social networks or show your share your process and all this kind of stuff and I think actually creating those sort of little caves for yourself if you like of protected Um, truly open creative space uh, Mm. are really important where you make sense of things without necessarily having to name them or share them or for them to have to be good for me that's that's big and it's yeah I think that kind of intuitive painting work has been really powerful in that sense just because it's such a perfect in some ways polarity to the scribing work which is very much for a group of people like it's kind of an offering like that's part of the nature of it um whereas
1: isn't that something yeah. is it i mean it's really an incredible work <laughs> really. then and here i'm so picture that it's ultimately serving and we could definitely have a whole conversation about how your artwork um combines or feeds your scribing um, but we only have a few minutes left and i'm really curious you know the sense of what you just said about it's really for, people, mm-hmm. right? You're producing. And then you also said a few minutes ago that you're thinking that working in a team, you, you also do this kind of production work where you're assembling a team to help clients get what they want, where you're not actually playing all the parts, right? You're mm-hmm. putting this together with other people and working with other people. Um, what, what do you imagine your future might be? Like How might how might the shape of your work be unfolding right now. Cause, um, you haven't been schlepping as much for many moons, you know, <laughs> it's been a while. You've been doing a lot on the iPad, all kinds of things, right? right. Yeah, all kinds of projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and your sense that there might be something about working more in teams. Like what, what do you picture? What, what's got your interest right now?
0: Yeah, I picture, um, maybe more hosting, I, which I kind of love or teaching if you like, although we use the word teaching pretty lightly or pretty broadly, Um, kind of like being able to share what I've learned or host spaces where people can learn together really has my attention in the next year or a couple of years Um, and maybe strengthening the kind of letting go capacity in the sense of inviting in other people who uh, want to work together and who are drawn to the projects that um, come our way and want to bring their skills and then kind of letting go not trying to control everything not trying to control the outcome or the process but just you know having enough clarity that we can kind of collaborate to a a key end a clear end of some kind and bring always bring kind of a sense of quality and intentionality but without um it always having to be necessarily my hand I mean I still want to do I, I love scribing and I love doing it digitally. I love doing it in the room and I don't plan to give that up. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's kind of, I don't know if they, I don't know what. What's that? that? What would be the, if you were going to, yeah, I was going to ask you, <laughs> what
1: would you call it? Let's make up a name. Yeah. Like what would you call
0: that? <laughs> I'm taking suggestions. Let's say that. Are you? Okay. <laughs> um, hmm. I think it's like, in. I know for, a, you know, there was a while where you were using the word inhabit in such a beautiful way. Yeah. Um, it's like inhabiting maybe more fully the role of the artist in terms of hosting spaces of dialogue, inscribing, in you know cre- in different forms of sort of creative partnership, I would say would be where I'm going um, and helping to bring those pieces together as needed. And so not limited to just I'm taking visual notes of meetings, but kind of Inhabiting that role, if that makes sense.
1: Absolutely. You know what's what strikes me is that when we inhabit, when I listen to you, I'm picturing you stepping into the room. I'm so glad I I heard about what that was like your first time, <laughs> and how you inhabited it by learning, uh, being in it time and time again, traveling, doing a lot of schlepping. Like how it, you know, it's been informing you the work you, you know, all this stuff. And now here you are being home, doing a lot of this online. Um, but it sounds like doing quite a bit of collaboration. Um, what do you see life giving you in terms of projects that gives you the sense that this is needed in the world, this kind of um, uh, putting the projects together, whatever you want to say this this new role could be? Uh, I, I know you're not giving up scribing and and art making, but this um, facilitation. What, what have you seen come across your desk projects that kind of give you that sense that, people really love it when you do this. Like they're they're totally fine if you're not quote unquote just the scribe, right? If you're also at this more, I don't know, global level or something. Uh, mm-hmm. What what are you getting in terms of signs from work or the universe that this is wanted?
0: I think I would say some, some of the signs are like some of the work that I've done that's more abstract and more sparse in a way. Like not, um, you know, it's not capturing every single word, all the content necessarily. Like there may be, you know at a a gathering last year I was kind of working even with just with some very simple sort of quotes not I would say trying to grab sound bites from people necessarily but almost just a lighter form of scribing where I was working with kind of color and um, line and and more abstract work and then just really lightly bringing in people's words people seem to really uh, appreciate that I think because sometimes you can look at uh, a scribe's work and it it can be overwhelming because it's so rich with information. And so Mm -hmm. there's this other space of possibility that I see um, also just taking on more of a voice in the process, right? Like I think often people will ask, could you, could you recap, could you do a recap for us or could you talk us through your image that you made, you know, and that I think is, is one option that can be very useful. And I think it can also be, it can add another layer to say, okay, if, if I'm here as an artist and I'm listening to this entire process kind of on multiple levels and maybe I know some of these people, maybe I don't, um, I have you know some sense of what we're here to do type of thing, then I can maybe bring, what is it that I can bring and, and give voice to you know at different points in that process that maybe I'm not hearing or that's missing or just to kind of add another dimension for people to consider uh, rather than recapping what we already know, kind of maybe inviting people just to relate uh, even just a little bit for a moment to what we don't know, you know, so like that kind of. Now
1: is that, would you say that's still right brain, or do you think you're crossing over to the left brain there a little bit more? I mean, visuals is very much bringing out this kind of, by seeing we know something in a different way, Mm -hmm. right? That power. And here it is, they're asking you to recap. To me, they're asking you to put into words. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you think part of this possibility is that there might be more words than or do you think it's just as right brain informed for you?
0: I mean, it, the work does tend to have a lot of text in it anyway. So I think it's pretty integrative. Uh-huh. It tends to be uh-huh. touching on uh, all kinds of aspects of, you know, all kinds of parts of the brain, I would think. Um, so rather than fragmenting things out, I think it tends to be a pretty integrative uh, method anyway. Yeah. But I think...
1: So that doesn't really change the demand on you in a way. You don't have to become someone else. It's it's kind of, it's right there where you already are when you scribe. It sounds like where word and images are together.
0: Yeah, I think exactly. They kind of live together and that's okay. part of the nature yeah. of it. But bringing in your voice, right? So like you could say, this is what I've heard and this is what, this is what I've kind of captured, if you like, although I'd like to be careful about using that word. Um, yep. And what about this? you know, and this is what I maybe haven't heard, or this is what, this is where I see a potential point of um, convergence or something that wasn't mentioned, or why is this voice not in the room or who, you know, those kinds of questions or just bringing like your own perspective is I think adding something to the role that maybe is not always there. Um, And then I I think.
1: So it sounds, I mean, not to overuse the word leadership, but it sounds almost like, uh, letting yourself be the lead at times if that's, if the opening's
0: there. I think so. Yeah. Uh, Not
1: like leading doesn't have to be like, who's like controlling the room or setting the agenda, but that you could actually put something new into the room that for the sake of.
0: Exactly. Yeah. That's well put. Yeah. I would say, yeah. It's like stepping in yeah. or seating something. And I think, you know, like I've put it this way, like the, the sort of moment that we're, living in right now, if I see the possibility to do that, and I don't, you know, then there's kind of a, it's almost like withholding something. And why would I do that? You know, I don't want to disrupt the container of a group, like, I think you have to do it with with care, for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to be provocative, or, you know, that kind of thing. I think it's needs to be done in the right tone for the groups that you're working with at the right moments mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And then working with a trusting team definitely helps. But I think if there's an invitation to do that or, or an opening, why why wouldn't we, if that makes sense?
1: And Okay, imagine uh, nine months from now you've got a team. What does it look like? <laughs> dream. Let's dream it. I mean, mm-hmm. not that it's the only thing you'll mm-hmm. have,
0: but... What might it look
1: like? I think you might have helped doing what? A
0: lot of people are are there. I mean, I just feel like I've, I'm very lucky to have other wonderful, kind of creative and talented people in my life already. And probably the the person or the couple people that are maybe missing or that I'd like to find in the next year or so or less um, would be like a like a project lead kind of person like project manager people who can really help take excellent care of clients and kind of tie loose ends and you know make sure the money is going where it should and people are getting paid on time and that kind of thing because that's a whole mm-hmm. um skill set and and job that it's it's pretty demanding to try and do that at the same time literally and creative work right
1: Absolutely. And if you did that, you might have ability to say yes to what? Like, would there be different projects or would there be just more projects or would it be, uh, it give you the ability to do something different than you're doing or do you not know you're just, are you following a gut instinct that it'd be fun to be, uh, you know, hiring some of the work out of it? Um, Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be fun. It would be, I think it's necessary um I think it would enable us to do potentially more although I'm not necessarily doing it with that kind of growth you know it's not like we want to get like to be a gigantic huge company or something I think it's more um I would say going even further down the path of kind of choosing collaborations deliberately choosing partnerships deliberately being able maybe to Mm. free up more of my energy to take care of the relationships um Mm -hmm. and take care of that kind of creative work and find the source in myself to be able to keep doing that um without kind of grinding grinding down the energy over time right because i think to even just sustain it um it's going to take some help is my feeling you know it could be wrong but that's where things feel like they're going
1: ah beautiful i can't wait um we'll definitely have to have another talk so much we could talk about but thank you so much Riley Um, where can we send people to the website to see some of your beautiful
0: work thanks Julie yeah they can find more at pinkfish.ca and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Riley Pinkfish
1: great and we'll put all that in the liner notes so people can check it out check you out and enjoy and read some of your articles and all that stuff we'll have that in the liner notes Um, my goodness thank you so much Riley I cannot wait to keep in touch
0: Thanks, Julie. Appreciate you.
1: Absolutely. Ciao. Well, that's today's podcast of Creative at the Wheel. Before we go, I want to thank you for listening, and I invite you to tune in again. You can listen to more of these interviews on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Ghana, or my website. You can also learn more about my one-on-one coaching for creatives on my website, paintbiglivebig.com.